All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 230. Kyrie is officially back with the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to talk March Madness. We're going to talk Zion and his viral video. Can the Memphis Grizzlies win the world championship? And how good is Chet? It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 230. It is Friday. I've had a good Friday, Drew. I just get got my, my usual Friday haircut from the best barber in town, Lucas. Gave me the <laughs> nice little taper fade in the back. I like to go walk right across the street to my favorite spot, the Lavender Lounge. If you're ever in San Clemente, I think I brought it up on, on this podcast. Uh, if you like fine iced teas like myself and you like some chubies to go with it chubies are nice little think about little gummy bears in the bottom of your passion fruit ice yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost like boba it's like white people boba that's yeah. what it is it's super white people like boba tapioca or some shit yeah they come with the big straws too and you know i like straws the girl there's a cute <laughs> girl that works there uh always gives me an extra straw and she always comp. I, I brought this up before. She always compliments me on my haircut after I walk in there. Nobody oh, else nice. compliments me. The girls at work that I see every day, nobody ever compliments me because they're like, your hair is always cut. I'm like, I know. But anyway, she bought, she bought my iced tea for me today, too, which I thought was nice. Wow. Yeah. And then a weird thing happened. I'm coming out of coming out of the iced tea spot, walking home, about to, you know, trying to do this episode, episode 230. And I have this this carpool. I tried to get finesse, Drew. I either tried to get kidnapped or they were trying to put <laughs> one over on your boy Clips. So this Ben's truck pulls up right on El Camino. El Camino is the, big, the, the, the busiest street in San Clemente. I got the AirPods in. I'm vibing out to some do or die. I'm, I'm and you're walking just for people I'm like just walking. you. walking. San Clemente, where you live, it's walking distance to all these things. We walk everywhere. About. Walk to yeah. get your hair cut. Walk to the, the bars. Walk to the post office. And I'm just rolling. This is mid. This is prime 4 30 in the afternoon ben's truck pulls up right next to me and i got my my, my airpods in they roll down the tinted windows it, it's an arab couple right and the lady is saying something to me so i i, I push pause on my, my do or die i'm listening to some shy town shit shout out to shy town and the lady's like starts talking to me and i think she's going to ask me for directions and then the driver who has a big old beard younger though it's like, hey, bro, and he tries to give me daps. Like he reaches his hand across his wife for me to walk to the car and give him daps. And I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not walking to the car. And then the two windows roll down in the back, and it's two like teenager Arab kids. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Right? Yeah. And the dude pulls off his, he's like, We're from Dubai and we're out here on vacation, and I don't have any money. And he pulls off his gold ring. He's like, here, bro, here, bro. And I'm like, dude. I've seen this scam on Vice before. But he was just trying to give you his ring? I think he wanted to sell me his ring or something, right? <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I've seen this scam on Vice before. I'm not coming up to the car. No, thank you, right? And the guy gets all pissed off. It's like, bro, if you want to pawn the, the ring, there are plenty of places you can go. You can yeah. literally buy Bitcoin at Fred's Liquor Market down the street from my house. You can slang that somewhere else. I'm not buying your gold 
freaking ring. So anyways, wow. don't try to put one over on your boy Clips. Anyways. You almost had a little taken moment there. I was going to have to be Liam Neeses out here and, and, and contact them somehow. You just had to be sh- start shouting out descriptions. It's like, Arab man, 30 to 40 years old, big black beard. It was. Two other, three other people with him in a green Mercedes-Benz truck. <laughs> Let me tell you this, Drew. They must not be good at their job, though, because if they're out of all the girls and small men in this town, they choose me. It would take that whole carload of people to get me into that car. That's all I'm saying, bro. And I don't look like I got money on me. I'm in my Jordan shorts. I got a, I got, I got a t-shirt on with my Clipper hat sideways. Like, bro, I'm not yeah. the guy to try to try to finesse. Right. And like, what? What's the goal there? That you can like scam seventy five dollars off of somebody on the street? Like, go fuck yourselves, get people. Yeah. Do I look like I need do a better. gold? Do I look like I need a gold pinky ring? Okay. I don't need it. <laughs> Anyways, that's my Friday. Um. So, you you kind of had a, a an up and down weekend, Drew. I know we, we're going through March Madness. Bear down. Your your Wildcats were in it. You had a great game on. Which was that? You had a great game on Sunday. What, or, uh, which, yeah, Sunday, Sunday night against TCU. T- uh, TCU. And then last night, we have the Sweet 16. Bear down was really bared down last night. And I want to talk Ugh. about it, Drew. Are you feeling okay? Are you, are you okay with this L? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really tough to watch us go down that path. It just, we never seemed to get a handle on that game. And yeah, I'm not nearly as uh, in a good as, of mood as I was last podcast when we were charging forward. I thought we had gotten over the hump. Um, of like kind of the physically imposing team when we beat TCU in that close ass game. Um, but Houston, man, I got to tell you, like, regardless of where they're ranked, uh, they're a very good team. I mean, they were in the final four last year. I know they lost a bunch of guys, but the team that they still have is, is crazy athletic and just plays balls to the wall. So I give them credit, man. And I believe actually right now Houston is favored mm. to win the national championship, which, which is surprising now because Duke's path, and for Coach K, what a what a swan song this would be! Shout out to John Wooden, like looking looking at Wooden, going, I think I can win one in my last year before I bow out. It does almost feel like this might be the team of destiny for Duke, where it's just one of these things where Coach K is going to get a very tough Arkansas team next is is his matchup. But you know, Gonzaga's now gone, Arizona's gone. We'll see what happens here with uh, Kansas and Providence, uh, but there's a chance that they could be you know, the best team for sure in the final four now moving forward. Are you surprised at Gonzaga too? Cause I watched that whole game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised? Well, no, I think I was more surprised by Arizona's loss than by Gonzaga's uh, just cause Gonzaga's guards have been a little underwhelming. Uh, they've when they're, but they're, I mean, they're still quite good and they're pretty big, but when they're bad, it's quite obvious. And a lot of times it, they leave drew to Timmy to like bail them out, especially offensively in the half court set, the guards aren't creating enough opportunities for Gonzaga. And I saw that, you know, pretty much the entire year. And part of the problem that Gonzaga always faces is because they're in the weaker West coast conference where really St. Mary's is their only competition. They don't get a lot of uh, real trials and tribulations outside of the first part of the season where they're traveling around to try and play everybody, which they did a good job of this year. Uh, but it's like a very similar problem to what they ran into last year in the finals against Baylor. Uh, and unfortunately for Gonzaga, last year's Gonzaga team had Jalen Suggs, a very strong, powerful guard who was able to create shots. And uh, it's definitely something that this team lacked. Uh, and then, of course, you just have these refs 
in mm. both games, in both games, and honestly, in so many of these March Madness games, the refs are, are have been pretty poor, uh, but no poorer than some of these fouls they were calling on Chet Holmgren, you know, the the potential number one overall pick. Uh, and then also, you know, on the Arizona side, like really ticky-tack fouls. But fouling out Chet Holmgren in the manner in which he fouled out is ridiculous. Uh, so I feel bad for Gonzaga, uh, although I wasn't as surprised because Arkansas is good and has been good all season, just like Houston is good and, and has been good all season. But I thought Arizona was would have handled that matchup better than than, they, than we ended up doing uh, simply because we have athletes, we're strong, we're real big, um, and our guards are similarly, they lack a little bit of that creative um, presence uh, in the half-court set. And unfortunately for Arizona, our – biggest draft prospect, Benedict Matherin, just did not have a great game. And that's what can happen, right? Like when, when you're at this stage of the tournament, you need your best players to play good. And, and, and you also kind of need somebody else to pop in and do some stuff. Um, but that Houston game for us was a very clear win for Houston. I, I tipped the cap. And same thing to Arkansas, who has my guy. Uh, I think it's Jalen or Jaden Williams. Uh, the big man who who pretty much handled Drew Timmy about as good as I've seen like in a one-on-one matchup, just like, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to let you dribble in from the free throw line, and I'm just going to try and play post-defense against you. But I like that kid, Williams, for Arkansas. I think he's pretty talented. Yeah, you know, the, the officiating is weird, and I, I, I hate being those guys that always have to – talk about bad officiating we never talk about good officiating ever <laughs> but it's like in college there's such a there's such a difference between the physicality you can play like there'll be this this run of like three four five times back and forth down court where there is so much physicality players are falling everywhere and the next thing you know like you're getting a ticky tack foul super right. ticky tack like barely touching the guy or anything and then you're getting the foul one of them was on Chet the other night. I think it was his third foul. His hands are just wide, like straight up. Yeah, you could gets, argue the last three fouls that they called on him were just like that. Right. And then, you know, the calls of the hanging on the rim and stuff like, yo, are we uh, really doing this? Yeah. Is this where we're at? And I'm really glad that the announcers, I think it was, I think Reggie was doing one of the games or Kenny uh -huh. was doing one of the games. And they were so offended by it because it's like, yo, he's not showboating at all. He's literally, his, his momentum is going forward. He's staying on the rim for an extra second and then getting off and to tee people up for that is just ridiculous um my friend broke his wrist in eighth grade trying to dunk and he let go of the rim he dunked it he let go of the rim and his momentum carried him through and he landed on his wrist broke his wrist that's why you that's why you need to hold on to that's the why rim. you hang on it's, the rim and for everyone listening i'm sure that was quite obvious uh and didn't need explanation but for those that were like no that seemed like it was hanging on the rim it was not the guy would have flown into the stands probably like landed on the media and really injured himself. So yeah, absolutely it, ridiculous. And it's also March Madness. When these dudes get a bang out, let them bang out. Same yes. thing with the NBA. Yeah. Let these guys dunk. As long as they're not dunking on somebody and then flipping them off or like, you know, doing some obscene gesture or whatnot, yeah. maybe there has to be a fine balance between like a Mark Price dunk and like Sean Kemp on Chris Gatling, <laughs> like right in the middle there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure if Mark Price could even dunk, but you get what I'm saying. He's probably I not swinging his nuts yeah. on somebody. But right. There has to be a fine line. Like, let these let these guys dunk. And plus, they're 18 years old, man. They're on yeah. the biggest stage they'll ever get in their life. Now, I'm going to say something, Drew. And I don't <clears> – <throat> I could be completely wrong about this. And I know you're going to battle me on this. And I wanted to bring this up in our group chat because it was part of the conversation that we had the other night. 
I'm not a big fan of Chet. Okay. I don't see it. Maybe I'm blind. I don't see a number one pick in Chet. I was very under, you can say it was because of foul trouble last night. Yeah. Uh, he didn't show up for the moment. He wasn't taking, you know what? I, I like Timmy more than I like Chet. And that I'm not just doing this for the sake of argument. I really do. Do I see like Chet's got a great stroke? He is seven feet tall. He can he can guard the rim very well. Mm-hmm. He's got a nose for the ball when as far as a shot blocking goes, which is something you can't teach. But I see a bag in Timmy right now. I, if he was two inches bigger, he'd probably be talked about way more, right? Because he yep. does. And they brought it up. I'm, I'm not saying anything new. They brought it up like, yo, Kevin McHale, he's got a lot of moves. And he does. I've seen we saw it last night. But I, you said it earlier in the show, like they were waiting for him to bail them out on so many times. And if you are Chet and you are this prospect and the number one pick in this draft or supposedly number one, top five, probably no matter what. You got to be that guy. And I thought he cowered it away from taking some of those shots. So I'm just not overly impressed with Chet as being talked about as a number one pick. Tell me I'm wrong, Drew. No, I, I, you know what's funny, man, is I, I don't think he is a number one pick, especially when you look at some of these other guys that are available. And I think he is very polarizing because he has all of these skills. Like he's very skilled, I think, f- especially for his size. Uh, but he, you know, in, when he was in high school, I think there was talk of him like being some version of Kevin Durant, which was floated out there just cause his frame. Mm. And he, you know, in high school, he was, he showed the ability to kind of handle the ball a little bit, but he's nowhere near Kevin Durant, even though they have a similar stature, as far as Kevin Durant's guard skills are concerned. And I would similarly say like his, his center skills like his defensive block skills are better than Durant's uh, because Durant was a fucking guard like that's the difference here is Chet while he looks like that same body frame is definitely going to play a power forward or center position and there won't be like this renaissance where it's like oh Chet's bringing the ball up every time down the court the way that Kevin Durant can so I think that comparison is is pretty shitty um, and I think he's always going to look ridiculous in that comparison so when people do that I don't think it's fair to either because Kevin Durant's one of the greatest athletes and basketball players of all time. So I do think like his comp is more similar to like a Porzingis, if you will. Um, before Porzingis really injured his knee, uh, he was quite good at blocking shots and was jumping, you know, decent number, like a decent amount. And, and Chet's not as tall as Porzingis. Uh, but I think, you know, his defensive ceiling is actually higher than what Porzingis was able to deliver. But yeah, man, the frailty, I think, and that was definitely put on on display mm-hmm. in that Arkansas game uh, is something that every single GM has to worry about. And I do think uh, what I've heard a lot of recently is, is several GMs view him more as a four kind of the way that Porzingis is more of a four than he is an actual five. We'll see how he grows and develops. And obviously we expect him to be in the NBA next year uh, and over the course of the years, put on some weight and, you know, get a little bit more sturdy and a little bit more physical, but right now he's not ready to take on any NBA center. Like, I, can you just imagine Isaiah Stewart going up against Montrez Harrell? Think about, like, just take DeAndre Jordan, right? Yes. Take yeah. DJ or Dwight Howard, bro, and he's not... Demolish him. Yeah, you're, you're going nowhere. But I think, here's the thing, though, is I think his length mm-hmm. is what he has that edge on. While he will get pushed back, he is so tall, and I think he's quite good defensively, like, positionally-wise and reactionary, like, while he isn't 
the, the most electric athlete. He is pretty athletic. You know, he can move his feet. He can jump in his, in his second jumps relatively good. And he's a six, a seven foot six wingspan. So there's a lot there, but I do think potentially what his, what his role becomes in the NBA is more of that stretch four. And I think that's the biggest problem that I have with him going. Number one is I don't trust his jump shot and, and his range quite yet to make me want to choose him number one overall over somebody like a Jabari Smith um, or even like a Paolo Bancaro or somebody along those lines. He's very intriguing because I do think there's a chance that all of it clicks and he's just this great, smart basketball player who's solid on both ends and can stretch the floor on offense, can protect the rim on defense, um, and, and I think is actually relatively smooth in transition, even though he is awkward. Um, but it, it, it's going to be real interesting. I'm very curious to see how he does. And I do think where he goes in the NBA, like what team he lands on could really uh, dictate how his career unfolds. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. you could say that about any NBA prospect as they get drafted. Like, you know, a lot of NBA players probably are, aren't raising their hand to get drafted by the Kings, right? Because their, <laughs> their development isn't necessarily stellar when it comes to these rookies going in and, and improving and, and finding their feet. Uh, so we'll see how it goes with Chet, but I think maybe more than any other player where he lands will be important. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see what Babcock has to say once we get him back on the show about him after he does a couple of these camps and goes through some trials. Cause if you remember last year, like a lot of people were talking about LaMelo like this, like LaMelo could have gone number one, but they were a little iffy mm -hmm. about work ethic and how he was dealing with the media. I just need to see like 25 more pounds. Right. And the guy that keeps coming to my head is Sangoon, right. In, in Houston, right. Like that would be the best version that Chet could be right now. Right. Like if you could get any version of Sangoon who's smaller, but can shoot outside, but he's way more physical than, than Chet is down low. I just need to see, like 25 more pounds on him before we can make a, an, uh, you know, an assessment. And again, I don't like to assess 18 year olds, right? It's really difficult for me. That's what Babcock does. And he could do it way better than myself. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, but it is, I mean, I think that game against Arkansas will definitely be something that, that every team goes, all right, this is, this is clearly the issue that he's going to have in the NBA. And then trying to like scheme around and, and protecting him from having those kinds of issues. And, and also like an 82 game schedule is, is not anything that any, like that Chet has experienced, right? Like none of these guys, they, they played AAU, which is, you know, yes, you can play 82 games in a year in AAU. No, no fucking problem, but they're not nearly as intense and as long as the NBA games are going to be for Chet. So I do think, you know, stamina wise as well, just, 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 clearly getting beat up a lot he's going to get banged around a lot and I think he's tough and I think that's the cool part is I do think he has and I think clearly that's why so many people still are considering him as a number one option because I think his ceiling is very high for him for sure all right so on to NBA Drew um we had a lot of news this week man and mm -hmm. Kyrie's official Kyrie is officially ready to play basketball for the Brooklyn Nets and he can either thank the New York Yankees or baseball as a whole. Cause I think that's why uh, <laughs> the mandate got lifted, right? Just because we got baseball season coming and you can't have, you know, players on the Yankees not playing and then Kyrie not playing in the playoffs. And before we get into it, I got to say, man, we've been, you know, we've said our pieces about Kyrie this season. Um, we both were, you know, just wish he would have gotten the vaccine could have played all, all year. Right. 
But I got to give him props, man. Like, this guy stuck to exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, he didn't deter at all this whole season from his beliefs and, like, standing by what he believed in and not wanting to get the vaccine. And now, look, we're about to be in the playoffs, and he's going to be he's going to be playing. Now, did that cost James Harden? Maybe, you know, his his refusal to, to, to get the jab and whatnot. But now we know that it was probably the fact that he was getting his ass kicked in practice every <laughs> single day. That was the main reason. But, hey, he stuck to his guns. Mm-hmm. The guy is literally, since All-Star break, 38.7 points a game this guy's putting up. He's a, just a magician. And he's coming at the right time for the playoffs. But I, I'm happy Kyrie is back. We're no longer going to see him sitting in the front row, but not allowed to go into the locker room. There was so much Mm -hmm. gray area here the past like two months. It's been so wild, right? Um, Seriously. I know. But what do you think about that? That's lifted. Kyrie is officially playing. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because the Nets kind of protected themselves, maybe intentionally or maybe unintentionally, from having this, you know, uh, this ban impact game sevens simply because they're so far down in the rankings, right? It, and it, it coincided with Kevin Durant's injury and then Harden's departure and, and kind of deterioration of enjoyment of basketball in, in Brooklyn. Uh, but it actually worked out to cover in case this mandate wasn't lifted in time uh, because they're going to be, I mean, right now, as it is, they're the eight seed and they have a, a little bit of a gap that, to catch up to Toronto, who is tied. The, the seven seed is Toronto, the six seed is uh, Cleveland. Both of them have the same record um, and they're three games in front of the Nets with, I think it's nine games left, uh, eight games left for for the, the Brooklyn Nets. So it's not likely that they're going to get out of the play-in and it's not even necessarily likely that they get out of the eight seed and move up to the seven. So I think... It's interesting now that they don't have to worry about that. It's great for them because, like you, you mentioned, 38 points a game since All-Star break is unbelievable. He's one of the hottest offensive players, and every time he's hitting the floor right now, it's, it's, a, it's a full-on show. Um, so, yeah, I think that absolutely has to give them some confidence, even though they're going to be going into the playoffs with no home court advantage throughout the entirety of it. It's very interesting how it's unfolding. Um, but having Kyrie be available for all of the home games is going to be tremendous. And I, right now, the matchup would be if if it if it falls the way we expect. I mean, I I would I would assume they're going to beat Toronto in the play-in game. Uh, but if they don't, for whatever reason, it's Miami in the one seed and Milwaukee in the two. So the Nets are going to go up against a very stout opponent in the first round, which is going to make it even more exciting. And again, still fingers crossed. There's a chance that it's Philly as well. We don't know yet, but there's a oh, chance. Oh, fingers crossed Philly, for sure. I think Philly's going to stay out of the one or two seeds simply to avoid the the, Brook, the Brooklyn Nets, though. I, 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 they're very close right now. They're only a half game back from Milwaukee in the two. I don't expect them to actually try very hard to get over the hump of Milwaukee. Well, and then we still don't know about Ben Simmons. We were totally wrong with him coming back. I think it was March 15th against Orlando, and now he's getting epidurals in his back. Yeah. So maybe this back is a super ish. I just don't know when you hurt the back. When did the right. back happen? That's sitting all down, I really. You know, it, you know, sitting, sitting a lot. I think you know impacts the back. I, I've certainly well, sat a lot over the pandemic, and my back, my lower back, is not in in the greatest of shapes. Ben has been on his ass for a long time, and sometimes that posture, 
you got to have the right posture when you're did, seated a lot. And I don't know West, if Ben knows Didn't Westbrook that. say it really affected him too? Like sitting on the bench really affects his back <laughs> as well. So maybe it's a thing. Well, I mean, if they, if I, I just don't see them now at this point bringing Ben Simmons back for the playoffs. Like if you haven't played with these guys and there's no chemistry, I saw him, he was at practice today. Like I, I'm just not necessarily sure you bring him back for the playoffs and risk either further injury or just no chemistry whatsoever. And if you can avoid playing Philly, um, cause I don't know if he, he can take that for seven games. I mean, I was looking at clips. They were booing him when he just picked up the basketball. I, po- I posted it on our page. Like that's just going to be a lot of shit. Uh, I think Kyrie and, and KD both got standing ovations, but they still don't like Ben and <laughs> Philly. Um, yeah, no, I, interest- but I, no, I, I think you're right though. Like the, the Ben Simmons back problem seems to be an actual problem, which is, uh, very scary. Like, uh, to, to, to think that, the Nets got a package that was pretty much a lot. I mean, yes, they got Seth Curry, they got Drummond, they got other pieces that are very important and helpful and will be moving forward. But to not have Ben Simmons is a big deal. And who knows what this back problem is going to mean. And I agree with you. I don't know if we are going to see him play a game this year. No, I don't think so. And Kyrie and KD are playing so freaking well, man. I think they're they're generating like 75% of the team's points when they're playing, yeah. which is which is just crazy. Um there was, a, there was a wild video this week of our boy Zion, who we just thought was this big fat guy on the sideline with a foot injury. <laughs> and, you know, some some pictures came up, you know, about a week and a half ago of him with some fans. And you're like, damn, he looks really good. And then out of nowhere comes this viral video that was quick. It was 1.5 seconds of him just doing a Zion off the backboard, East Bay dunk, like would have won the dunk contest on the first, on the first, you know, on the first go. <laughs> But he looked great, looked in shape, had his shirt off. And you, I don't know if this is a – I don't know who's wrong here, man. I don't know if these – if because, you know, there's been some rifts. Like, they're, they're, he's not getting along with management or with the front office for whatever reason. We don't know that whole story. And maybe it's true. Maybe Zion's been ready to play for a little while, and they keep milking this foot injury to not let him play. Maybe it's because of, uh, you know, their position right now. I think they're in the – they're holding down that eighth spot right now. The Pelicans are. No, they're in seventh. What are they? No, they just leapfrogged the Lakers. They're in the nine seed. Nine, nine seed, excuse me. Um, but, damn, the video looks like he's perfectly fine. Looks like Zion could get out there right now. What do you think the deal is with that? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, you know, there was clips of him playing one-on-one against Corey Brewer, who is mm-hmm. an assistant coach now for the Pelicans. Um, shout out to Corey Brewer, March Madness hero for Florida. And Houston uh, but, Rocket hero in that Clipper game that we blew. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Corey Brewer um, Josh Smith got But it. yeah, I don't know, man. I, I you know, obviously they want to take it slow with Zion. We've we've seen that like when they thought in the beginning of the season he'll be back before Christmas. Uh we would see Zion before Christmas and then it's like, well, we'll see him before All-Star break and then it's like, oh, we're going to see him next year. Uh but clearly, I mean, his foot can't be bothering him that much if he's throwing down that kind of a dunk. Um and he did the the transformation of Zion's body in the same thread of of james harden uh i do think it's it's remarkable but i i also think we kind of underestimate the metabolism uh that these crazy athletes have right and it doesn't take a lot for them to drop a couple pounds uh we've said that all along which is why we advise people like Embiid and luca and zion to stay away from the cheeseburgers and the french fries and you know it'll be amazing like you know have go, go to in and out and do it protein style instead of instead of having the bun on there you know it'll change your life 
Uh, but I am excited for Zion. I'm excited for the Pelicans. And I do think there, there may be just some like potential jockeying as they gear up to offer him the extension pretty soon, because I, I do think they're probably scared that he, for whatever reason, might not want to take it and move on. Uh, and I do think that the CJ McCollum trade clearly has clicked pretty well for the Pelicans. CJ has done very well and he's playing alongside Brandon Ingram very well. Um, so I think they're kind of bolstering maybe jockeying uh, and not wanting him to get re-injured this year, even though they are kind of surging, so to speak, um, out of, out of the, you know, the non-play-in into the play-in format. And then now the nine seed. Uh, I don't, I wish I could watch him play. I do think with him on the court, they become immediately more intriguing and formidable going into this playoffs, you know, play in series that they'll have to play against the Lakers and then, you know, either the Clippers or the T-Wolves as it is now. Uh, and who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's up their sleeve. Maybe they're just gonna see. I say, think all right, the, I, just release the hounds and you know, like on the on the on three games left, it's like all right, Zion's fully fit. Now, now, who wants to fuck with us in the in the you know seven or eight seed? Yeah, but maybe it's the Ben Simmons treatment too. Like, why bring him back now? He hasn't played one minute. I wouldn't. Right? I don't think I would bring him back. I think that, you know, it, but there is something to be said about the fact that you know, if you start him again at the beginning of next year, that's a whole season that he'll have to go uninjured. Um, you know, and then when do you bring him back? Like there's that whole thing. And, and will he get out of shape again in the off season? We have to assume that that might, that's a real possibility, which would then lead himself to potentially getting more injured. Like, I don't know, like if you bring him back, will that keep him engaged enough over the off season or uh, whatever it is, but I don't want to see him get injured again, no. but I definitely want to see him on the court. I'm torn. I think you need, I know I'm torn too, but like at this point, if he's having some beef with the front office, I think you let Zion do what Zion wants to do. Kind of like what they do for Dallas and Luca, like you said. Like and they might be. They, they, literally, they might just be taking the cue from him. He might be the one that's saying, I don't want to do this yet. I might, I, it might be him saying, I want to come back next year. Or say, I want to play and then say, okay, right. fine. Fine, Zion, you're going to play. It's up yeah. to you. You want to, you want to risk the foot or whatever? Just do what you want to do. Because I also want to re-sign him. If they cannot lose an asset like no. Zion, nope. uh, they cannot afford to lose it, right? Nope. So Correct. And then how do you turn down what, what's his extension that he could get a hundred and what million dollars? Like, how do you turn that now? But he can you know, get it because out. he's played so infrequently. And I believe he also missed out on the all-star and the all NBA team. I know he was last year. He was close for the third team for some people. Um, but he, I think, I think it's relatively minimal because he hasn't hit as many milestones as like, you know, the people that were drafted alongside him. Um, or people that we think of in the same ilk of, of Zion. Like, mm -hmm. he hasn't hit the Luka and the Trey's kind of milestones. And Ja Morant, who is going to definitely be on one of the All-NBA teams this year, will get a lot more money in the extension mm. than Zion will. Um, and I, for, for that reason, too, there might be some, some consideration for Zion to look elsewhere. Another video that went viral two nights ago, we saw a little tiff on the sideline. Miami Heat. Again, guys, we're 22 days away from the playoffs. This is where you either pull it together or lose it all together, right? And we know there's a lot of personalities on Miami. I've never seen Spolster that pissed before. So so Jimmy Buckets and, and UD, OG UD, get into a verbal uh, altercation on the sideline after I think it was, they were playing the Warriors. The Warriors just went like on a 9-0 run right out of coming out of the gate. 
and mm-hmm. Jimmy was talking to to UD, and UD said some stuff, and then things got crazy, and then Spolster throws his clipboard. PJ Tucker comes over and picks up all the pieces of paper very <laughs> nicely and politely, but they had to hold everybody back. And then Spolster being Spolster after the game, when he was asked, he said, "Oh, we were just arguing over where we're going to dinner tonight, which is complete mm-hmm. bullshit." Uh, we know. Look, OD's in in the M or UD's in the NBA still because of his veteran leadership and what he brings to the game. And he also, you know, takes no shit from anybody. And we know Jimmy Butler can can talk that shit, but I don't think UD's the guy to be saying it to, right? If you're saying it to the team as a collective, okay, I get it. But UD might be the wrong guy to bring that up to. But you know, do you think that they could pull this together? Because Miami's still what are they in the they're in the second, right? They're in the first season. They're still in the first number still one in the seed. First. Yeah, I you know I think it is interesting that it happened uh, in that game, but I think it's also like really understandable uh, because they were getting their ass beat, and Jimmy was late to a closeout. And I'm pretty sure the way that I heard it explained is that Spolstra called him out. Jimmy wasn't having it, <laughs> and then it got you know into like some personal altercations where UD Udonis Haslam was kind of stepping up to protect Spo and, and the team in general, because the team suffers when Jimmy doesn't close out. And if you've played basketball, you understand that you can be the one who recovers and runs all around. But if, at the very last second, if one of your teams is lazy, if teammates is lazy and doesn't get out, there's a wide open three to be had. And that's exactly what happened in that play. Uh, and it's going coinciding with a, a, a weird stretch for Miami in the last 10 games, they're six and four. Um, and while they are still hanging on to that number one seed, they're only one game up on Milwaukee. As I mentioned earlier, one and a half games up on Philly and Boston. So the first four seeds are all within two games of each other as we hit the wire here. And we could seriously see some jumbling uh, mm-hmm. happen. Again, it will be interesting to see which teams decide to duck uh, out of the one or two and just completely try to avoid them because that's where Brooklyn will be is in the one or the two seed. Um but Miami, I think, I think it's interesting. Like, I don't see this as that big of a deal. A lot has been made of, of the fact that it was Jimmy Butler doing this and, and with his history at other teams, well chronicled. This is not necessarily out of character mm-hmm. <laughs> for Jimmy Butler. Uh, and sometimes uh, outbursts like this lead to him wanting to change franchises as it has in the past. I don't necessarily see it that way in this particular instance. Um, and I totally respect Udonis Haslam for standing up for his coach and his team. And I think Jimmy was a little out of line in that, in that case. But I think it all centers around competitiveness mm-hmm. and, and being frustrated with a loss. And, and I we think know Jimmy's is extremely like, hyper-competitive, right? Exactly. And I think that's very understandable and mm-hmm. relatable. And I don't think it's that big of a deal moving forward. Now, we'll see if, if, you know, if this created a rift. And we'll find out very, very quickly if Jimmy is like, uh, somehow ostracized from the team now. I doubt that. I doubt it too, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll see it unfold and we'll see where they are in the playoffs. But I still think this team is really hard to beat when they're when they're actually playing to the level that we all expect them to. Yeah, I I'm I'm not I I don't see this as a big deal either because if two people can hash it out in a locker room after a game, it'd probably be those two, right? To be like, you know, there's a lot of respect for UD. There's there's a reason why he's still there and and um. I don't know. I just see it as two leaders of a team. Who do you think the leader of the team is? Is it Jimmy Butler or is it UD? Well, I mean, the heat culture, right? I think the leader of the team is still fucking Pat Riley, if I'm being honest with you. (laughs) Uh, But I would say, yes, like of the players, Udonis Haslam is the ultimate Miami heat guy. Um, And 
Spolstra as well. I mean, Spo's been there forever. Uh, and you could argue that this could be Spo's coach of the year season. I mean, it's a very easy argument to make considering what he's had to deal with as far as the absences of Jimmy and Lowry and Bam. And I mean, Bam had fucking surgery in the middle of the season and mm-hmm. they're still the number one seed. So mm. uh, leader of the team has to be Udonis Haslam following Spostra. Um, and then, yeah, I would assume that Jimmy probably does take a leadership role there just because that's his personality. Um, but good leaders know when they've when they fucked up mm-hmm. uh, and and know to reconcile uh, a mistake that that was egregious. So we'll see if that happens. So the best leader in the game, CP, is back as of last night uh, or two yeah. nights ago. Was it last night was his first game? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was yeah, last, last night. night. He came back quicker than it was expected. And then right on cue, D-Book drops 49 on the fifth anniversary of his 70-point. Excuse me, his name is D-Book, D-Shut-Up-Pussy Booker is his new name now <laughs> since his, his quote went viral from the sideline just telling a random fan to shut up pussy, which yep. is so epic and classic. I love it. I'm not yeah. a huge fan of Devin Booker, though. You guys know him and my boy Paul George have some beef going way back. But D-Book drops 49 on the fifth anniversary of his 70-point game, which he took an L from. And it just made me think, like, some of these players have been going off since All-Star break, Drew. And I want to I want to name out a couple players. So D-Book, since All-Star break, 28-4-7 and almost two steals a game. Kyrie, like we said, 38.7, four points, almost six assists, two steals a game. Tyler Hero on our Miami squad, 24, 4, and 3. Uh, Jason Tatum, 32, 7, and 4. And then our boy Cat, who's just had a monster, monster season, 25, 10, 2, and, and, and one block a game. So these are guys heading into the playoffs that are kind of hitting their stride right, right now. And I kind of want, I, I want to, I, I got a buying or selling questions for you guys. Okay. Right. And the buying and selling are going to mean, can these guys get to the their respective finals, Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals, okay? Are you buying that the Boston Celtics, playing as good as they're playing right now, can make it to the Eastern Conference finals? Yeah, I can. They've been the number one defense in the NBA for months now. Um, Tatum, as you mentioned just now, like illustrated the, the fact that he's, hit a, a level that he's hit before. And a lot of people have brought attention to the fact that he was arguably playing the best basketball in the NBA before the bubble, uh, before COVID happened and the bubble all kind of changed everything. And he's had his own bouts with that. Uh, so for him to, to kind of regain the form that he found whatever two seasons ago now and seemingly sustaining that form. And then you have the influx of Derek White, which just gives them so much more depth um al horford still playing so well for his age ice is back in the mix uh, you can't forget um time lord robert williams also very impressive like they just they have a lot of options and they have a lot of depth and they and they're not afraid to play defense and i think marcus smart is a guy who's kind of thrown his hat in the ring a little bit as the season has gone on for you know a defensive player of the year consideration um and so, yes, I do think that there is a, a very real chance. As I mentioned, they're only one and a half games out of the of the number one seed uh, and, and charging forward. As it is right now, they're in the four seed and they would play the Chicago Bulls. I'll take and that. that. Would be I'll That'd be a hell of a matchup. I would love to see that. I mean, when the Bulls are fully healthy, we saw them be number one for two or three months in the East. 
Um, I think that would be a fantastic matchup. I really can't wait for the East, the Eastern <laughs> Conference playoffs, man. I and that's the first time I've said that in probably 15 years. I am I am chomping at the bit to see this uh, these playoffs happen. And whoever matches up with the Celtics, whether it be the Bulls or anybody else, they're they're in for a very tough matchup. And I uh, would love to see a back and forth of DeRozan and Tatum, and and let's see who who <laughs> who wins it. But having Boston in the top half of the East is good, especially for that first round, get that Boston crowd behind you with the home court advantage. Um, I, I definitely expect them to get out of the first round. And I definitely think they're going to go really hard in that second round and see whoever it is that they end up playing will be a, a a tough task for the opposition. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that right now, when you look at it, I mean, I I say it all the time, but chemistry is so important, right? And these guys have been playing together for a minute, right? Boston we're talking about and then we're talking about these thrown together teams like Philly like Brooklyn right now thrown together meaning that there's new pieces everywhere right and chemistry that's why throwing Ben Simmons in the mix might might be detrimental to the squad but I think with the way that Boston's playing right now they could be the dark horse because people really aren't talking about them us included too we don't talk about them enough and maybe it's because we don't get to watch them enough because we see Philly and Brooklyn every single night out here um but I think they could be the dark horse, man. I, I I like Jason Tatum, and he's due for one of these playoff runs where we put him in that upper echelon, that one to seven kind of guy, like top seven players. Do, do you consider him a top seven player in the NBA right now? Top ten, um, I'm giving it to him. Yeah, I would say he's in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just like if we're just looking around the league, all only healthy players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Yes, I would say that he was in the top ten. It's top seven. You're splitting hairs there. I know. I, I know. Probably, but he can be. Seven other give me, guys. Give me a great playoff <laughs> run, though. Give me one great right. playoff run. That's why you know I I wish MVPs. Well, they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals twice since he's right. been there, so he's 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 capable of getting them to that doorstep, and they just haven't gotten over the hump, and because I think they've overachieved uh, in those seasons that they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think this team is actually ready. And I think he's he's ready as well. Like, I, I would not be surprised that they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, so going off of that, now this might be a little, a little easier for you, but buying or selling? So you're buying the Celtics being able to go to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. I like mm-hmm. that because I'm buying that, that too. Buying or selling? Could the Minnesota Timberwolves make <laughs> the Western Conference Finals? No, unfortunately not. You don't not. think so? I, I think the West, the top three in the West, uh, the the Suns, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies, uh, they're they're pretty they're pretty significantly better than the rest of the teams in the West at this point. That's the way that I've evaluated it. There's clearly a gap there as well if, as you look at the records. Uh, I think Minnesota would be a great first round matchup to go against Memphis. That would be my. I mean, I think any Memphis watching Memphis play against anybody is fun. But watching Memphis and Minnesota go at it with all the young guys running around and, and the highlights that would come out of that series would be fantastic. But I don't think they're better than the Grizzlies, and I don't think they'll beat the Grizzlies or the Suns or the Warriors, however it might shake out for them. Uh, I don't think they're going to get out of the first round. Uh, out of the first round, you don't think? No. Oh. They're going to get – I think they'll I think they'll get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I'm, they'll get out of the play – in scenario i think right because the clippers are probably gonna have to play i just thought they've been playing really good they're seven and three in their last 10 cats having a monster year i think pat bev is a is a big part of that giving them a defensive identity i'd love to see patrick go against jaw but look man this is this is a crazy statement uh and either you're gonna 
you're going to agree with me or not, but I've watched Memphis a lot and I've watched Memphis a lot without jaw. I've watched them play f- fucking 15 games without jaw. And these guys can win the championship, Drew. They really can mm-hmm. win the NBA championship this year. I think they match up against everybody. I think they bring it every night. They have killers on the court. They can shoot, they can play defense, and they have a big in the middle that likes to body, right? Um, and then you have your superstar in jaw that's playing out of his mind. He's out. He's going to be reevaluated in, in two weeks about his knee. It's obvious they play fine without him. But when I was watching him the other night, I'm like, fuck, man. They vibe. Their chemistry is crazy. They believe in each other. There's no like ego on this squad whatsoever. And they got all the right players to make a deep run and the young legs, man. So again, I'm with the chemistry. I think that 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 jaw is something so freaking special. And even if you say Phoenix or Golden State, they I think they can match up with them well and surprise a lot of people. Definitely. Uh, And I think the interesting thing is the the Grizzlies are 16 and two in games without John Morant yeah that's a hell of a fucking record man uh, to be without your best without your best player and a lot of those games were without somebody else as well uh Dylan Brooks has missed a lot of the season this year uh there's been intermittent times where people have been out for them um you know throughout the year uh including those games that jaw was gone so you're right they have a very stout team uh and they're very deep um I really hope that Jaw is good to go mm. by the it would just suck for him not mm. to be ready or you know where you have a situation uh, similar to like Donovan Mitchell last year where he was just trying to grin and bear it through the ankle pain and this one's a knee for Jaw which is obviously very scary as well we know uh you know how how high he gets in the air and how easy it would be for him to like severely injure himself so my hope is that yes he's he's back uh, but to your point they're fantastic without him on the court for whatever reason. And their defensive rating is through the roof. Um, I think they're something along the lines of third in defensive rating overall in the NBA without John Moran on the court. And I believe it could be first without John. I I have to double check, but uh, their net rating without John Moran is number one in the NBA. I mean, it's a small sample size, 18 games, but that should prove to everybody that even though John may be out or maybe missing that they're not pushovers. Uh, and the one thing they do lack though is the playoff experience right like they don't have the experience and everybody says how important that is but to me I don't think they care these this is another we always talk about these young cats who really don't give a fuck about who's in front of them anymore like they're not scared of LeBron we're not scared of you Devin Booker we're not scared of you Embiid we're, we're just going to go at you and play and I think they have that mentality they've really embraced that grit and that grit and grind house and um, they're it's just I, I love seeing teams, man, like watching Ja on the bench cheer on his team the other night was phenomenal. Right. And I just think that these guys match up so well against I, I would not want to see the Memphis Grizzlies. Shit, dude, if the Clippers or Lakers had to see Memphis, just write it off as a fucking L because we yeah. can't beat these guys to save our lives. So, yeah, well, I think the interesting thing, though, is that they've been building to this point. Uh, and while they don't have a lot of playoff experience, they they were in the play in game in the bubble. And that was a fucking close ass game with with uh, Portland. And then last year they they get out of the play in and they take it to Utah as the eight seed and they beat them in the first game in Utah and then they get swept after that. But so like that you can see there's clearly building and and uh, the point that you made earlier about like continuity. This team has that. Mm-hmm. They've had you know Baines relatively new and a couple other guys like Adams is new, but 
the, the majority of their team has been there for at least a couple of years. Uh, and uh, I think they've done a great job. Shout out to Taylor Jenkins, their head coach, who was definitely up for a coach of the year award as well. Um, and I, I, you know, I can understand why it would most likely the coach here is probably going to go to Monty Williams. They have a 60 win season and he's done fantastic. And Chris Paul has been out and Aiden's been out and Booker's been out. So I think Monty probably has it wrapped up, but Taylor Jenkins certainly gets an honor, honorable mention for the Grizzlies. I agree. And I guess, I know this isn't that big of a deal, but Wiseman once again has, is, is out for the year uh, with his, yeah. with his knee. And I know they were really hopeful the Warriors getting him back for the playoffs or getting him like involved in some way to get a big man down there. Cause Kayvon Looney's just been putting up with everything. And, yeah. you know, I, I, and I know our boy, Jeff Crompton's not going to want to hear this. I don't, I don't want to see uh golden state in the playoffs, but I just don't, I don't think they have it this year, man. And even the way Jordan pool has been playing. Um, what do you, what do you think the ceiling is for them? Well, the Wiseman thing is huge, right? Cause there was a lot of talk pre uh, trade deadline that they might try and ship him out and get somebody that can help protect the rim and be a big. And, and then they don't do that in, in, with the hopes that he'll return in time for this playoff run. And now he's gone. And, and they're really lacking a big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows? Maybe they'll try and make a roster spot to just get somebody that's 6'10 or taller on the squad <laughs> uh, just, just for fouls or something. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Willie Colley-Stein's still out there. Like There, there mm-hmm. might be options for them to look at. Uh, for a guy that can come off the bench and give Kevon Looney a fucking break because that guy puts in a shift every time he's out there. Uh, he's a lunch so, pail yeah, dude, it's man. News. It's, it's really bad news for the Warriors, man, just mm-hmm. like pure and simple because the West does have quite a few big men that they're going to have to contend with if they're going to make a deep run. But the point that you made is like this might not be their year. They just can't get it right, man. I mean, really, since that first stretch where they were like really impressive, number one seed in the West, uh, and, and, and the Suns were just tagging along right there. Uh, once Draymond went down, they have not, I mean, clay comes back, Draymond goes down, mm-hmm. uh, Draymond comes back, Steph goes down. And that's been really since whatever that was in, you know, January, I think is when Draymond went down. So they've had a really rough go of it. And the back half of the season, um, do I think they're completely out of the mix and we should count them out? Absolutely not. Cause Steph and clay and Draymond are special and, uh, Jordan pool is great as well. So. Uh, but I agree with you. I think without Wiseman, at least there to bolster the defensive line when when Looney gets in foul trouble or, or just having a body to go up against the likes of Aiton and Jokic and, you know, some of these other guys that they're going to have to go up against, especially if some of the big men from the East make it to the finals. And f- for whatever reason, the Warriors are there. It's going to be something they have to overcome. And it will be Looney and Draymond that'll have to foot the bill. Do you think in all of our years of podcasting, this is year five. The follow through with Clips and Drew has been around for five years. Do you think that this will be the first episode that we don't talk about your Los Angeles Lakers? Because I hope not, so. We're <laughs> we're not going to talk about the Lakers, although that they've won a couple games in a row. Yeah, uh, we will say LeBron. We, we, we won a couple games. We also lost a couple, and we also got leapfrogged by the Pelicans. <laughs> I, I <laughs> so we I dropped know, in the true. rankings. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Clippers either because we've just been horrible the past four games where, and we got Philly tonight, right? So yeah. Clippers have lost four in a row. We haven't done that since 2019. The past wow. nine games, we've been down double digits in the first quarter. It just has not looked cool. I don't know if it's because we're tired. I don't know if it's the end of the year, but we're, we're just not playing really good basketball right now. But what we said on the last show, breaking news. That, we, we, that Paul George was going to be back and Kawhi was going to be back. This week, Paul George has been in practice. 
He's been practicing with the squad. Kawhi Leonard is probably off in some airport hangar practicing <laughs> with his two trainers with no, no cameras or anything, not letting anybody know when he's coming back. <laughs> but I do think after what we called last week, because it's funny, Drew, after we dropped, it was about the day after or the day after that, all the reports were coming out that, oh, Paul George and Kawhi might be back before the end of the year or if we get out of the play-in. Now it's if we get out of the play-in, uh, possibly Kawhi is going to be coming back. So at least that's good news for Clippers. I mean, I don't. it's going to be so hard to integrate. It's going to be great to have Kawhi and Paul George back if that happens. I think Paul George is going to be easier to integrate back going into the flow of the game. He's played with this, this team without Kawhi for most of this, or for in, at least until Christmas. But then throwing Kawhi back in the mix might be difficult for a couple games. And then other players are going to have to go back to their normal roles there, you know, the Batums and the, and the T-mans and all this stuff. But, you know, it's, it's looking like we're going to be playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's what it looks like. I don't see us going any higher or dropping any lower. I mean, we haven't been playing well the past week and we have Philly tonight and I don't know how that's going to go. Zubak is going to have a fucking night for him tonight. Um, and just seeing how Denver kind of manhandled us or Jokic manhandled us the other night, but there's positive vibes in Clipperland, right? If we can just get out of this play-in and get a seven-game series with somebody, I don't care who it is, with Paul George, we have a shot. Without him, we're going to be in deep shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been saying that sentence for I have like seventy-five uh, percent of this season. So we'll see if it actually comes to fruition. I'd love to, for him to get out there just for your sake, so you can see it and enjoy it. I need Paul George back. Just come back, bro. <laughs> come back and give me make this season work, man. We're in year three of this, Drew. We're in three yeah. year three of this when this just is. You talk about yeah, bad you, luck. you guys signed up. Paul George and Kawhi both resigned. You're fine. Yeah, we're fine. But like, yo, time is ticking, dog. Next yeah. year we look great. We might get Norman Powell back this summer the, in the next few weeks too. So really. The, yeah, they, Norman Powell has been uh, running and doing wow. non non fucking contact, whatever it is. Good for so him. Be, yeah, be nice. So there's just there's this pipe dream of mine that I have everybody back, uh, ready for the playoffs, and we're just ready to fucking kick ass because that'll throw a wrench into anybody's system. We can we could play everybody, but I think that the uh, the chemistry thing might take a few games. So that would really suck for Memphis. Congratulations on the two seed. Here's Kawhi and Paul George and, the and Norman Clippers. Powell and Norman Powell in the seven. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh man. I, I still don't want to see him, man. I still I don't want to see him. Man, Memphis fun, and though. the Memphis and the Clippers have a rough history, man. We do have a rough history. So we're not mm-hmm. going to talk about the Lakers on this show. I will no, say this. Just a little, a little congratulations to LeBron. He's Shout number two LeBron. all time in scoring. He passed big Carl Malone, the postman. Uh, so yeah, congratulations. The mailman. I, the mailman. I think that's what the season has turned into for LeBron, and I think he, had, he you know, checked that box for himself. It definitely. Went, well, I mean, it's a huge accomplishment, man. I mean, dude, he's leading the league in scoring. I'm not trying to tear the man down in any in any yeah. capacity. That's all he can do at this point. I mean, he's averaging 30 fucking points a game. Like I, what I can't. I I was sincere. Congratulations. Like that was it's amazing. It's huge. We are not talking about Russell Westbrook on this pod. Do you have <laughs> any uh, any final thoughts for me, Drew? I do, yeah. Uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit in within the episode and over the course of the season, but this year, maybe more than most, has really highlighted the importance of depth, something that we just talked about with the Grizzlies. And uh, I guess maybe this this will be a little bit Lakerish, so I guess that's out the window. Damn. I guess that's out the window for, uh, for a Lakerless podcast. But 
it's more along the lines of like something that I've always kind of um, given the benefit of the doubt for teams like the Lakers is, you know, having to deal with injury. And it's a very much a true thing for us last couple seasons. We haven't had Anthony Davis. LeBron has been injured at times. Um, and we just struggled because of that. But in this season, you can't name a team that has been perfectly healthy with all their stars throughout the entirety of the year. Everyone has had to deal with it. And that has highlighted the importance of the team. And the fact that Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies are 16-2 and two without John Morant is exactly what I'm talking about. And the teams that have been able to weather the storm and have you know, developed a roster of players that, that is deep and can withstand losing their star from time to time are the ones that have succeeded the most this year. Um, and so I think that's – my final thought is, simple, is very simple. Um, as, as great as it is to have the superstar on your team, the guys that are two through 10 are really what matters. And that's what really can get you into the playoffs, into a top seed and, and potentially, um, you know, an NBA championship, kind of the way that the Suns and the, and the, and the Bucks have done it, uh, you know, last season where they, they were very stout, very deep teams that had to deal with injuries and got over the hump because everyone matters on those squads and they built a hell of a roster. So I just, the major point that I'm making is like these excuses that Lakers fans or, other fan bases have um, that are valid for injuries. It doesn't matter. You got to keep playing and you, and, and the GMs and the organizations have to do a better job of building rosters. It's not easy, but you have to do a better job building rosters that can withstand that because in today's NBA players miss games. I complete, I couldn't agree with you more, Drew. And I've said that, I, 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 I've said that for a long time. Like you, every team in the NBA minus maybe Orlando has a star, right? Has a star on the team. It's those other guys. It's why the Clippers have been so impressive. And I'm not just tooting the Clipper horn, like even being in the eighth spot or where we're at right now. Like we have a Ross, our whole bench is, is starting and playing basically the whole, the whole year. And if you don't have the right group of guys, that's why the pickups of the Rocos and the Norman, pa the, the Isaiah Hartensteins and all these guys, like it's really important. And yes, you can have three stars in AD and, and LeBron and Russ, but if you don't have the rest of the guys that are going to step up when those guys are out, you know, what do you got? You got nothing. You got the ninth, you have the ninth spot or where are they? Ten, where are they right now? Who is it? The Lakers. Yeah, we're in the 10 seed on our Laker list pod. <laughs> yeah, 10 seed Lakers. Right, exactly. Like, and, and I just, it, just to put it into perspective, like we talked about, Miami has had their top three players miss significant amount of games. Milwaukee, Giannis has missed 13 games this year. Middleton has missed games. Drew Holiday has missed games. Brooke Lopez has been out for the entire season. Uh, you can just keep going down the list, mm -hmm. and it's the ones that have dealt with these absences the best um, that, that, are, that are still in the number one seed. Like The fact that Cleveland, for instance, has a, as good of a record as they have with the continued knee injuries that have happened mm -hmm. to their point guards, um, it's remarkable. Um, so anyway, I just... To, to cap it off, like the Phoenix Suns are another perfect example of what I'm talking about. Chris Paul misses four, 15 games. They don't budge an inch. And in fact, they increase their lead on the rest of the West and the NBA. And they hit 60 games uh, win, 60 wins uh, already. And they still have whatever, eight games left. So this could be a historic season for Phoenix. And it's all about that depth. So that's what every team aspires to, to do. It's I, I don't, I'm not sitting here thinking that GMs don't want to do this, mm -hmm. uh, but it is so vital uh, to, to, to every NBA season.
Yeah. And that's why you got to tip your hats to front offices who don't get all the love all the time and head Mm -hmm. coaches and coaching staff for having your team ready and prepared every night, whether it's game tape or, you know, video or whatever you want to call it, like having whatever squad that you have that night ready to compete and ready to win ball games. So I'm with you hundred percent on that. I want, I have a final thought and I'm going to let you help me explain it because you're the one that had to pull me off the ledge the other day. Um, (laughs) We had an interesting, my boy, um, my boy over in China, a friend of mine, had sent me a video clip of our boy Duncan Robinson and his co-host for the long shot, if this guy either is the long shot or not. And they were going through uh, different scenarios, different uh, a show things they want to call their segments in their show. And one of them, which they act like they never heard this before, was called the follow through. And Duncan Robinson's like, yeah, I like the follow through. <laughs> and then the other guy's like, what about next man up? And Duncan's like, no, I like the follow through. And I got livid, Drew. I was so upset. And when he sent me the clip, I was, I was, I was so pissed. I think I was up late that night, too. And I put <laughs> it in our group chat. Nobody a- answered me till the morning, which was fine. Yeah, and it I was took, late, though. It was a, it was a late <laughs> night. And I took, I took to our page and we had a lot of people battle for us, right? Commenting on Duncan's posts, like, yo, bro, you can't mess with the follow through, cannot do that, be original, stuff like that. And you had to pull me off the ledge, Drew. So was I overreacting or was I underreacting? Because I was ready to, to pull out. We, we got clips and Drew lawyers. We were going yeah, to have to do it. we got litigators. You know what, man? It was, it, was, it was one of those moments where I think you just didn't get the whole picture. Uh, but with, with what you had found out, I think your reaction was uh, appropriate. Okay. Uh, we, we can't be letting anybody just take this name. Nope. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. It doesn't sound as good to follow through with Duncan Robinson and, <laughs> and what's his face with the hat on. That doesn't sound good at all. Has no Who are you, dude? Who are you? Um, and so, yeah, I think <laughs> um, so, so what I found out as I, as I did, dug a little deeper here, is that they're not changing the name of the podcast. They're still going to be known as the Long Shot, Long Shot Podcast, which is what initially we thought they were going to change their name, which I thought was interesting because it, the Long Shot is perfect for a guy like Duncan Robinson. He's a three-point specialist. He started out in D3 in college, worked his way up to Michigan, et cetera, It's a long shot. It's yeah, a long undrafted. shot. He's got a $90 million contract. I don't know what else qualifies as a long shot. Uh, and so it's perfect. And so initially I was like, that would be weird. Plus they built a brand around it, blah, blah, blah. So I I didn't expect them to change their name. And I found out that what they're going to do is they're trying to name the seg, like the, the, the episodes that they have that are just the two of them. A lot of times they'll have a guest, like recently they had Victor Oladipo. Um, You know, a lot of times it'll be, you know, um, Miami heat teammates uh, that Duncan will interview or just other people. And they wanted to leave that episode as what it's called. And then when it's just the two of them, they want to have a follow-up episode, which is why I think they like the follow-through because when it comes to a long shot, in order to make that long shot, you got to follow through. We all know that. Um, but needless to say, our podcast is not in jeopardy. They may actually... I still don't the- like it, Drew. I, no, don't, I don't like, like it, it either. They, I don't like it either. But it's only just their episodes and that won't really affect us that well, much. Well, I'm going to... We need to let them know. I was going to get on the phone with Basketball News. I was going to call our CEO, Scott Hale, and be like, yo, put me in contact with Duncan Robinson and whatever <laughs> his name is because that's just not fair. And if you... I thought it'd be great to even have them on the show. Like, Duncan, can we talk about this? Will we let you borrow our name, the follow-through, for your little segments? It could have worked out. We could have co-branded, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I always I always go with um, any publi- any publicity is good publicity. So if he's using our name uh, and people are getting mad about it, then that works in our favor. 
and more people will when they when they go on the podcast uh, on the apps and they type in the follow through, guess who they're going to find first? Us. Us, not yeah. them. So that'll work. <laughs> all right. Well, I, pre- I appreciate you talking me off the ledge. I'm still not happy about it. And I appreciate all of our ride, ride and die dudes who actually hit them up and commented on the post. I know Duncan and what's his name saw it. Sorry, I don't know your name, bro. Uh, if I knew it, I would name it. I'm not upset. It is a great name. It's a great name. Oh, and I like their sweatshirt. podcast. I like their podcast a lot. It's a great. Well. No, it's, I like their podcast, too. And I'm, I appreciate them liking the follow through because it's it's it, it works. It's a good name. And it's it, a good name. Yeah. And the re- that's the reason why we got the name, right? And it just rhymes with Drew, too. So follow through with Clips and Drew. We are the True Players Podcast. We will be back next it. week. It's the follow through, the real follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. St. Peter's up by one with four seconds left. Let's go, St. Pete's. <laughs>